Hi, I'm Sherry Fellow, the founder of Bloombase. And I'm Allison Lochran, Bloombase partner in crime. Welcome to the Power Two podcast. On this podcast, you will hear women discussing how, when, and why they feel powerful, and when they don't, how to get there. Power Two is personal power, the ability to choose our own states and behaviors. Our intent with this podcast isn't just to have a great conversation. Our intent is really to create a space that opens up possibilities and may even change behaviors. So welcome to Power Two. Hi, I'm Sherry Fellow, the founder of Bloombase. Hi, I'm Allison Lochran, and welcome to another episode of the Power Two podcast. We want to start, as always, by thanking everyone who has taken the time to listen and time to give us feedback. We so appreciate it, and just please feel free to keep doing that. We also want to thank Kent Vernon, our amazing audio engineer, the studio, the utility room, where he makes this magic happen, makes us sound professional and coherent. It's not an easy task, I'm sure. <laughs> so, Sherry, why don't you give us some context on what we're going to talk about today? So the Power to podcast today is really a great connection back to our last podcast, mm, a podcast yeah. about power to lead. Right. And so today in the studio with us is Megan Rader, who is a great example of power to leadership and is in a leadership practice of her own. And we're going to talk about really a, dive into an example of Megan's leadership that took you from powerlessness to power to. And how do we do that? How do we move through that? So a real great case example. But before we get into that, we want to just start with what does power mean to you, Megan? And thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. thanks. It's so great to be here with both of you. Yeah. Um, when I reflect on what power means to me, I had the same initial sort of negative connotation that a lot of mm -hmm. people have. And, and I think it comes down to when you hear a lot of times about people's power, sometimes it can be about how they've abused it. And I think that is sort of resonates with me because those examples mm -hmm. is um, what for me has shaped that negative connotation. But to get to the point of my own reflection of how power has showed up, I tried to think about, okay, where have I felt, felt powerless and where mm -hmm. have I felt powerful? Mm -hmm. And it all came down to situations of did I have a choice? So when I think about some of the big things that have happened in my life, so when my house caught on fire, when my daughter was born 10 weeks premature, all of those situations were like, I had no choice that they were happening and there was literally nothing I could do about it. So I did feel very powerless. Mm -hmm. um, right. But then on the opposite ends of the spectrum, there are things in my life that I feel very powerful full about. So for example, my the way I take care of myself um, and the way I can dedicate time and, and choose that as a priority for myself, therefore I feel powerless. Nice. Mm -hmm. nice. Great example. I know. I love the absence of choice and powerlessness. Mm -hmm. We've talked around that. I don't think anyone stated it that directly. No. Like and it's that. so true. It made me think of like a million other examples that were similar to that too in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of spectrums in between, right? Where you might not be able to have a choice of what happens, but you can still choose how you react to right. that situation that mm -hmm. can right. really pivot it. Yeah. Right. Or we've even talked about this before, like your level of choice. Like yes. I always exactly. try to have some level of choice. Maybe my level of choice is I stay and be miserable and I go and be miserable. You know, like it's that degree even too yeah. that you still have a choice, but probably neither option is maybe your ideal. Right. So. Yeah. Well, even just knowing you chose it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm miserable, but I did choose that. That True. can actually shift. 
right. the energy it takes to be there. So good point. Right, that so, takes its own reflection of taking some accountability yes. <laughs> for your choice. Oh <laughs> uh, for our last <laughs> podcast, yes, that was a that that's a topic we, we hold near and dear. True. I feel like I should have accountability stamped on my forehead. Um, <laughs> so Megan, given those definitions of that spectrum of powerlessness to power to. There was a specific context that felt really important to talk about today. And if we can just dive into that, I think that's, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. So maybe we start with you just giving some brief context, whatever you feel comfortable with, and yeah. we'll take it from there. Does that work? Absolutely. Uh, so the, the context that I would share is uh, in my prior role, I was in a position that was customer facing mm -hmm. and um, that required me to attend many different kinds of, of customer events. And there was one event in particular where uh, we were on an international trip with multiple customers in a situation where we were an invited guest. And I was the most senior person from my company there, um, as well as uh, one of the only, or not one of the only, the only uh, female that was on the steering committee, which was the most senior group of people that were leading the overall group that got together for that event. Mm -hmm. okay. And and can I add the context of that it was a global stage? So there's yes. a lot of complexity is my point to saying that in terms of cultures and yeah, all kinds absolutely. of things you're trying to navigate in the mm -hmm. midst of the context you set. Is that fair? Yeah. So there are, there are customers, there are industry partners, um, as well as several different nations, as you said, that brings along their own unique expectations and cultural experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was during that scenario, so great context. What is the context of the situation in terms of what in, what then proceeded to happen that made, that put you in that moment of, oh, man, I, what are my choices here? Right. And mm -hmm. feeling powerless. So we had um, a several-day conference, and the conference had gone well participating and not feeling um never feeling like I was not part of the group. And the week ended with a formal dinner at a Norwegian palace. Which As was, dinners do. Yeah. <laughs> which is not Jeez. a normal way that I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were all bussed over um, to this palace, which will become an important point here mm -hmm. as we go forward. And you can almost think of it like a wedding setting where mm -hmm. there's a head table. And the the steering committee was sat at this head table with the other, you know, circa 150 people that were scattered around the room. And I was the only woman at the head table. And so we um, started through the meal and very quickly they invited a female guest um, who was married to one of the, the um, Norwegian gentlemen to stand up and give her view of being a woman. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Which I assume did perhaps not match hers. Your definition of being a woman. Correct. Um, so, and I hadn't done a lot of um, study or research in terms of Norwegian culture and just um, how they might, gender roles might show up there. Mm -hmm. But I was very taken aback. Um, she uh, said that she was saved by the life she would have lived as a woman without marrying her husband. And, you know, this was just a one one person's example. And sure. so I tried to just um, consider it as, okay, it's different than my view. Um, but then I was not 
prepared for what was going to come next. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I love just the grounding context. So I would imagine, don't you think, Allison, that our listeners are now already thinking, okay, what would I do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And then as we continue to build on this scenario, we're going to hopefully take these pauses and try and unpack this. Right. So people have time to reflect yeah. and think, oh, my gosh, what would I do here? Yeah. What would I, I do would say here? starting at the first layer, I probably would not have even expressed the same amount of generosity as, well, perhaps this is one person <laughs> and one person's opinion. Yeah. I'm sure there would have been a lot of self-righteous and, talk in my head. Well, I keep what? Yeah, and just the grace you held uh, already out of the gates with the cultural complexity, because there are those, and Mm -hmm. don't agree with them, but they are realities that we have to contend with as we're moving through this. Right, having that level of global acumen is a big deal in those situations. For sure, for sure. Okay, Sam, that's the first gate. Then that was the first gate, and you know, meanwhile, I'm trying to carry on, you know, a, a casual conversation with this group of men that I you know, don't necessarily have anything in common with. And the speaker gets up and off the bat um, reads a scripted joke that is too inappropriate to even repeat in this setting, but was very, very degrading to women. And it took me aback. I was like, did he really just say that? And the room breaks, bursts in laughter. And so I'm immediately balancing that how what do I portray on my face mm-hmm. um how you, you know mean? how do I act and because I'm across from a, a general from the Norwegian Air Force um and re- representing my company so I feel a level of responsibility in terms of maintaining professionalism and completely unprepared for that to happen sure. especially since it appeared to be scripted Intentional. Intentional, mm-hmm. yes. Right. Scripted equal intentionality in this case. All eyes are on you. So yep. just resetting that state, you know, the visual, you're on stage, right. this joke is told. Everyone bursts out laughter, men and women, or just men? Yeah, so the other context I should have given at the beginning is there were maybe 10 other women that were there for their roles. There were maybe another 20 women that were there as spouses mm-hmm. of men. So still the the overwhelming majority of the people were men. In my line of sight, I didn't see any. I, I was facing the opposite direction, mm-hmm. so I couldn't see any other women. And I also couldn't see the other two coworkers that were there um, with me. So I couldn't make oh, eye contact. Yes. Okay. So I just got goose pimples because when we talk about safety, like you can't find any. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no safety. Okay, so now you're just, what are you doing? Breathe, trying yeah. to mention your facial. I'm, I mean, so I'm already this, getting angry. I'm already hijacked. Like At this point, I didn't know yet was what was going to still come. So I still thought it was a one-off, okay. Yeah. You know, those two things had happened, but they didn't seem to be related. Um, and it was more just, okay, let's just, let's push through, keep going. And then... Uh, the host continues several more jokes about women. He They reenacted The Bachelorette and had women come up and debated on whether they were worthy of a rose. Um, and so, but, yeah. Well, that, Allison, I had not even heard that part of the story before. Allison is vomiting right now. That, I wow. had a, a definite moment of panic as they called out the women. Of, I bet. What am I going to do if they call my name? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so thankful that they didn't. I don't know what I would have done. 
Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. And I know I've had the privilege of having you unpack this a couple times with me for learning. And I, I did not even—I don't think I've heard that part of it. Like, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you do in that moment? Right, because the stakes are high. Right, right. You want to be a team player, or yes. you know, the Norwegian general uh, sitting across from you, waiting yes. for you to join in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So again, if you're listening, just notice how you're feeling right now. Right. If you're like Allison and I, well, first of all, we have wine glasses, which is important to note. <laughs> right. Secondly, um, exactly. Just your, the fidgeting right. and is uncomfortable. Your getting tight. Is yes. your neck getting red? Like exactly. I'm sure. <clears throat> Okay, so so then wow. they say um, because they had started off the evening saying tonight was about honoring women, and s- clearly this is a, a an opposite of my uh, how I took the events that were happening. So um, the biggest um, memory that happened next was they had you hug the woman next to you and show you uh, show them how much you appreciate them. So obviously, for me being the only oh. woman at the table. Um, and having just my own normal personal boundaries of of hugging people I don't know um, was very uncomfortable. Mm. Wow, man! Like no safety now. What's happening with you internally? Just um, that's so much to manage. I, man. <laughs> I did get up a couple of times and go to the well. The, the amount of times I felt it was appropriate to be able to get up and leave and go to the restroom just to get mm. away. From the situation, mm-hmm. um, but then you, I, I always felt like I had to come back. Um, I, I never felt like it, I had a choice to just leave. And I, I've shared the story with many people, and that was their immediate reaction was, "Well, I would have just left." Well, <sighs> easy to say um, that. Yeah, you know, for me, one, I was representing my company, and was mm-hmm. it would have been very visible if my seat at the head table mm-hmm. was no longer filled. Um. And the fact that we were in a foreign country with no way to get back um, just left a whole nother the bus, element. The right. bus, yeah, the because bus, we were bused yeah. there. Right. I mean, you can only really just left the room. Right. And then that right. still, wow. Well, right. Got the amount of emotional management you had to have, <laughs> because I don't know that I would have been so within myself to be able to, you know, your your threat zone would be so high you yep. just want to leave the room i don't know that i would have thought but now what do i do once i left the room it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like i have to come back but man okay so now you're there all this is happening yep. what what happens next so we got through dinner um and then they started passing the microphone around from country to country um, which evidently is a practice of these events in the past and um, the jokes continued to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. There was a joke about raping women. There was a joke. Um, oh, good lord! Yeah, I mean it. It just brutal. It, it just kept going, and never could you foreshadow that it. It was surely. Right. I mean, after right. each time, telling, reflecting back, and telling the story, it's like, oh well. It's so obvious that all of these things continued, but in, I think I was just telling myself after each one, oh. Surely that was the end. You know, right. I didn't, you didn't have the benefit of hindsight where you could see it all string together. And you can, I'm sure you were sitting there saying, what, also, what could possibly be coming? <laughs> exactly. Like, could this get worse? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's my nervous laugh. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. Um, yeah. And so 
what do you how do you manage that? Where do you think you went to be able to get through that? I mean, I get the I get you're representing your company or which got I mean, I just feel like you had so much grace in the moment and just yeah, where were you and all that just inside of yourself? So I think I, I I definitely was kept looking at the clock and just thinking, okay, sure, you know, this has to be over um, soon, and eventually it was. So the passing around of the of the microphone from country to country was the end, and then as soon as it was over, um, I found um, people that I I would say I was friends with there, mm-hmm. or you know, good acquaintances that were also there, and then immediately went back to the hotel and just got out of there as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even tell my coworkers I was leaving. I was just like left yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it was that much you had been holding yes like yeah. <laughs> i've got to go yeah so wow so you're getting there i bet that was a rough night in the hotel i don't know if we've ever talked about that <laughs> yeah night. that I was my you question later, then what happened yeah. well, so right. we had to fly out at like i had to leave for the airport at like three in the morning to catch yeah. the flight so it was like and i was I fortunately, I don't remember have, not having a hard time falling asleep. I think just probably was just emotionally oh drained. Gosh, exactly. And the end of a long week when you're on a six-hour time zone and knowing yeah. you've got to get up early um, that next morning. And I was still processing that next morning on the way to the airport with my coworker uh, who happens to work – happened to uh, be an employee of um, – that worked for me at the time. And he brought it up first, mm. uh, which – I was very grateful for that, um, you know, he also acknowledged how inappropriate it was, mm-hmm. gave me almost a sense of validation that, because mm-hmm. in a way I was like, did that really just happen? I did I imagine <laughs> that? Was right. it that bad? Yeah, yeah it was that right. bad. Yeah. Right. So he validated it was that bad. Yeah. Like that, yes, one, that happened. Yes, it, it was that bad. And now you get on a plane. Now I get on a plane. And then the other piece of information that he shared with me um, was that it had happened before. Um, at prior mm-hmm. events, not mm-hmm. to that degree, but the passing around and making jokes um, was almost a routine. It happened at least once before. Mm-hmm. And um, that just really stuck with me about, okay, this wasn't a one-off. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a pattern of behavior. Right. It wasn't someone testing the waters. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So... You know, you've made it through this. You're on a plane. You're you've got all you've got some data points now that yeah. you weren't crazy. It wasn't a bad dream you can wake mm. up from. So, how are you feeling on the plane? Like, what? What? How was Megan? <sighs> Megan, I was so torn. Um, I mean, one, I was grateful to have it behind me, but and I. I acknowledged that, okay, I was through that immediate situation, but now what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's back to that element of choice where I was trying to just get clear in my head what were the different options that I had as well as the obligations because mm-hmm. there was a different level of obligation now that I haven't had an employee raise mm-hmm. to me that they're uncomfortable with the situation as well. And thinking through what, each of those paths would mean not only for me personally, um, but also for for my employee, for the that group, and how mm-hmm. it would impact um, if I did say something. So just all of that, right? Term. Their relationship with your company, right? Yeah, these right. are our customers, our paying right. customers, and it's not like um, you know in our industry you get to 
have business with new countries. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So again, high stakes. Yes. High stakes. And so I just want to pause because I feel like as people listen to this, maybe they weren't on quite that stage, quite that level of complexity or even intensity. But just how many times you've been in that situation where the only thing you only thing you can think to do is the next thing. Right. I'll just get through the next thing. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll get better. Yeah. I'll get through the next thing. You know, so to the person who said, oh, I would have left. I just don't think it's that simple in those situations. I, I, I just, I've been hanging on to that, too. Yeah. I, I, just, I think that that is everyone's default. Yeah. Before we do, before we go where what really happened, I think this is great, Allison, to yeah. Yeah, unpack a little. I, I keep coming back to that. I keep thinking of—I even was sort of imagining you as you were down the road having this conversation with executives or with the people in your company— and having people react that way, like, well, I would just laugh. Why don't you leave? I would just laugh. Like, would you? Would you? Is it, and who knows? You weren't in that moment. Right? Exactly. And for all the mm-hmm. reasons that you didn't would have been very logical reasons that men in that situation wouldn't have left. Or that that is troublesome to me that mm-hmm. everyone's, you know, knee-jerk reaction tends to be, well, you could just get up and, you could just get up and leave and just go stay out in the hallway. Like, well, I really, think, in that context, I would just leave the yeah. general of the Norwegian Air Force right. there hanging our client, right. our very important client. I would do that. Would you do that, really? I, that bothers me that that's mm. such a default reaction. Well, I think for maybe for people who haven't been in a situation where I don't even know the right word for it, but you know, we all strive for inclusive environments. Mm-hmm. So this was clearly the exact opposite mm-hmm. of that, but mm-hmm. exclusive doesn't seem right, like the right word. But being, I'll say the victim of, or the subject is probably a better word, of those jokes does not make you feel powerful. It makes you feel the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And so you don't feel confident. You don't feel oh, yeah, I'm just going to stand right up and walk out or I'm going to go grab that microphone Mm -hmm. because you've just been put into this box that is the subject of everyone laughing around you. Mm -hmm. Marginalized. Yeah. Well, and it's so so incredible, I think, that you were able to slow your, what had to be just, like you said, all that emotional energy down enough to just, as I said before, make one decision after another with the best, in the situation as best you could. To expect that someone could process all that and make a decision that was different than the one, whatever decision you ended up making, I just, man, that is really setting a high bar that I think is impossible. I don't even know Mm -hmm. if we can process that much as a human being at one time. Right? To me, that that fundamentally says to me, I've never been in a situation Mm -hmm. where I've had that kind of emotional response. Mm that I've been trying to manage. Right. It's like people who say when you're in an abusive relationship, well, why don't you just leave that person? Right. It's not— it's so much more complex. Right. There, there's so many levels and so, me- so much you're managing and reacting to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's That tells me they've never had to—they've never had that experience right. of that kind of level of marginalization. Yes. They could just say, well, why don't you just walk out? Right. And I think, you know, to just level set this, you staying wasn't condoning. You staying right. was surviving it. Right. right. There's a totally—and if you hadn't, you wouldn't have had all the data you had then right. to process it. And not like you were consciously collecting data. I don't mean that, <laughs> but I just mean— if you'd have left and said, well, oh, I had a tally mark. Yeah, I left, I left right after the first joke. Well, was it just one joke? You right. know, can you right. imagine exactly. how this would have went? Totally. Well, actually, it was three and a half, I don't know how long it was, like three and a half hours completely 
brutal, right. like inappropriate yes. jokes about and my whole gender. I stayed because it's. I was thinking about my job and and being respectful of who was supporting me back home. But yeah. I didn't stay because I condoned. You know, right. yeah. anyway. or I was supporting what they were doing. Well, I do think it's important to clarify. I never felt like. Uh, if I would have left, that I wouldn't have been supported. Right. For um, sure. For sure. Great clarification. But it just never, um, for all the other reasons, it didn't feel like I could do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right. Again, you're processing it. You're holding it. So I just wanted to pause and talk about that because I think it's so easy to leap to what I would do yep. when you're mm-hmm. not in that situation. Right. So, okay. So now you're cycling this or you get home. Yeah. So I get home and I... Um, am evaluating the options. So clearly one option is to say something. And in in doing that, the things that were going through my mind were, what's the impact of my career? Um, knowing that pretty much a good majority of my experience at this point has been customer facing. And it's it's part of my job that I love. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to raise my hand and say, I was in this uncomfortable situation with our, our customers, how would that be perceived? Would it be negative when they think about me for future jobs of, oh, she can't handle herself in that in that situation? Because I'm not going to ever change the fact that our customers are going to be male-dominated. As much as I mm-hmm. want to think we're moving forward on our behalf, we're not going to change the national stage. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was worried about how would that be perceived. And Megan, not only your perception, I just want your reaction to this. I'm sitting now in your employer's position. Would it even be reckless of me to put her in that position right. again, right? Right. What Is could that, result yeah. if I willfully— Does that say about us if I—not to say you can't handle it, but I don't, I don't want her to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So not only that, so what choices will you have after you make that choice? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other side of the coin that I was evaluating is I, I met this young woman there from Italy. So she was one of the, you know, 10. And she was really early in her career. And I was just kept thinking about her. I don't even remember her name, but I just kept thinking about now that I know it's a pattern, that it's happened twice, if I don't say something, will it keep continuing? And so that just kept nagging at me about, Mm. to your point earlier, Sherry, about sitting there wasn't condoning it. Well, if I don't say something, Mm. that's what felt like I was condoning it. Right. Mm -hmm. The inaction. Right. Courage and comfort. I I was just thinking, like, right, and and take and stepping forward, even on behalf of that girl, like, how bad would it be four years from now for her? Right. Right. Yeah. So I can not say anything, which I think in some instances feels safe. Sure. At least in the short term. Right. (laughs) I can say something, which is courageous, but also may have consequences I don't want. Along with the not saying something is, man, I pass on the pain to somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I do condone it. Right. By my inaction or my choice to not do Mm -hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that a lot. Hard. <laughs> that's a that lot. That's so hard. And I think it's such a. Please know, I know your situation wasn't yeah. typical. I mean, talk about the risk and the intensity and the complexity. 
And I think the context of that, man, being at that fork in the road where neither choice feels good. Yeah. I think I think women are in that a, a lot, lot of the time. Yeah. Really trying to pick their battles yep. for the greater good, very carefully and thoughtfully, like you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you how do you get, how did you get to this decision? So another so people were who were at that fork in the road. Yep. What helps you kind of unpack that and arrive at your own decision? What kinds of things did you do, maybe, or what helps you? Or um, so definitely giving myself the space to process and knowing that, you know, I didn't have to go back and solve it day one afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that the next event for that group wasn't going to be several months mm-hmm. from now. So I, I gave myself the time to process. And I I did selectively choose people who I thought were safe of having, telling this, just talking through it with them. Mm-hmm. Um because one, it helped just to process. I I can sit here now, um, you know, a year and a half on and not have emotion about it. But that point, it was so emotional. Um, and every time I talked through it, it just triggered a whole nother level of concern. And, you know, it it unpacked or not unpacked, but it, it uncovered so much doubt of, oh, well, how could they take me seriously in this industry as a woman? How could I have been with them the whole week and they treated me like I was, you know, they didn't treat me any differently, but how can they make those jokes? Are they really taking me seriously? Can I really be effective in my job? If that's, yeah, if that's their view of women. And I mean, I went through a lot of just doubt of do, do I stay in this industry or not? Because why do I put up, you know, why would I put myself yes. in a in a space that it's like this? You know, I could go to another industry where it's less mm. male-dominated. I know there's – it presents its own challenges, but right. that, that questioning of my right to be here at that level in this group was, was mm. really hard to deal with. That was probably my biggest struggle. Wow, such a great point. I love, and I know there are time time gates people have to hit when some of these situations are in work contacts, but I love that you gave yourself the time you needed to process in safe places. Yep. Saying stuff out loud. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? I mean, wow. So finding safe places. Yep. What if they can't find a safe place? What do you guys think? What if they are like, Phew. Write it down. I mean, even oh, wow, yeah. I did end up. Um, documenting it once I got to the point of telling the story, which people probably have already figured out that's what what happened. But that in itself was just very therapeutic Mm -hmm. to get it out. I love writing it down. Nice. Okay, so safe places, writing it down. Anything else that comes to mind? I think for me it was really thinking through what is the worst that could happen. So – if, if I think about the, what were the risks of saying something, you know, it was testing myself of, mm. okay, what are those pros and cons mm. of each that. path? All the possibilities. Yeah. Right. Just laying it all out. Nice. Right. Did you allow yourself to go to the worst case? I did. Um, I think when, that's healthy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. yeah. Like leaning into that fear, like sitting yeah. in that and saying, okay, how did, bad is it really? Right, right. Exactly. And saying, yeah. can I get through this? Right. Hmm. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to – that's how I think I ultimately came to the decision because it was like, okay, if I say something and if the company treats me 
differently or mm-hmm. you know it doesn't support me in this then it's not the kind of company i want to work for right yeah. that light bulb that came on mm-hmm. um is what made me feel like i got the power back in terms of i am going to say something because what do i really have to lose i you know initially was worried about what was my career well how good is my career really going to be if i'm in a space that i can't feel good about raising my hand with something that I'm clearly very uncomfortable right. with. Right. There, I love what you just said about, is this really the kind of, like you chose you yep. over mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. So when we talk about courage over comfort, it's that. Right. I'm going to choose my own value set, my own integrity over acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's a hard, powerful choice. I know. Wow. Think about that. It is. So, okay, so the light bulb goes off. Now you know. You, it seems like at this point you're pretty clear about what your next action is. You're not at all clear, right. or can you be, about how that's going to be accepted or received or anything. But your decision was? Yeah, so my decision was to first go to my mentor who's um, you know, on our leadership team. And um, he, he couldn't, could not have handled it any better. He very consciously acknowledged that there were lots of things he wanted to do to solve it. Mm-hmm. But the single best thing he did was ask me what I needed, um, which I really, really appreciated because I was, he acknowledged I was uncomfortable with raising it. Even saying the the words out loud of some of the jokes was really uncomfortable, right? right. So oh gosh, yeah. the fact that he, um, just acknowledge what I wanted out of it in terms of next steps. And he gave us a great suggestion, which we did end up following. But the fact that I got to feel like I had a choice in the solution instead of, okay, now we're going to take it from here. Thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really helped. Can we just pause (laughs) there? Because with the best of intentions, I think so many times men and women, whoever in these positions and they go to the safe place and the person Went so badly to protect them. Like, I love that he could say it. This is what I want to do, but what I really want to know is what's good for you. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do what's going to make me feel like I'm doing the right thing. I first want to know what the right thing is Or that I'm protecting you from any more upset around this. Like, that he becomes a shield and, like, I don't want to— Right. His question is, what's the right thing for you? Versus reacting out of Mm -hmm. their own intention. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Yeah. I hope I hope every HR department in the world heard that. Right. You know? And I get there are consequences. But can right. before we decide what we're gonna do, can we at least consider? Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. So So I mean there was one person who said, Oh, well, we just um you don't have to go to that event anymore. And to me that was not the solution because the solution Going to those events and being in those groups is part of my job. Mm-hmm. And I felt very strongly that, no, I that's not the outcome that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do my job. That's right. where this all started is I want to do it regardless of gender and mm-hmm. just be treated equally. Can I point out at this point, too, that also you were not the problem. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. So why right. should you be the person to leave the room? <laughs> also, also— yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's then just such don't a go great there. point. What? I'm not the issue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's great. Anyway. Obviously, yeah. that no, caused no hijack reaction <laughs> for me at all. <laughs> so, um, 
So the recommendation was that we notify um, our our biggest customer um, of our value sets, mm-hmm. uh, our our um, company's value sets, and that it's our expectation that in these group settings that, that the rest of that group behave in that way, um, or we won't be participating anymore. Um, and so, I I was really happy with that outcome, but then it created a whole nother level of anxiety around. Oh wow! So now that group of people are going to know that I said something. Because mm. who else would they point to? That's right. what you're thinking. Right. Right. right? There were two other employees there, mm-hmm. but I was the only woman. Mm-hmm. Wow! So you felt like for sure you would be their target if they if they wanted one. Yeah. It would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would It'd be, be obvious. Wow! Right. Yeah. And so did you, at that point, did, was there discussion around that? Or were you able to just kind of go, okay, you know, it is what it is? Like, how did you work so, your way through that? the good news is that we had time before I was going to see them again. And then, again, the company just did an incredible job. We had several preparation meetings to get me ready for seeing that group again. And we had plan A, B, and C um, that were, you know, very well thought out and intentional about not only being in that setting, but it allowed me to prepare and process in my mind. I've almost had to go through, it had been a couple of months. And so just re-getting mm. myself back through that emotion so that I could mm-hmm. be prepared. Mm-hmm. Practice. Yes. Right. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And how'd it go? So I had so many fears ahead of time, right, that I was going to walk into the first night and people were either going to not talk to me because Mm. they knew they thought or they knew either one um, that I was the source of the letter or that they would try to over rotate and be overly friendly Mm. and like overly compensate. Mm. And I just wanted to be treated fairly equally Mm -hmm. as a better word. Um, One of the intentions in the preparation was to have an ally. So I did um, have a a friend. uh, What's the right word? Someone that I knew that was also going to be attending Mm. the event that attended the first time and agreed that it was inappropriate that I had talked to ahead of time. So Mm. I felt like I had a safe space Nice, because the next time there were no other employees. I was the only one. Because it was, the context was a bit different. It was a a much smaller group. It was Mm. only the steering committee the next time. So the rest of the people Weren't they of the? Uh, I don't know if that's better or worse. How that I know. I was know. thinking. So it's you and the other nine men, right? On, on, that were on the stage with you, right? Yes, and well, so there was maybe twenty other. So there's probably thirty people mm. in total, but definitely a much smaller wow. group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that ally, which was was hugely helpful to give myself the own my that comfort level, and everyone treated me. Just the same. So they, no one treated me. I didn't feel like anyone overcompensated mm-hmm. or that people were avoiding me, which so all of those fears that I had, none of them ever came to be, which yeah. for me was just a huge learning lesson of I had built all that up in my head. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. if some of those fears would have stopped me from saying something to begin with? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great point. Wow. I think that's. Really important for people to hear that until those things happen, it's just really a story that you're telling yourself in your head. So why avoid doing what you fully believe to be the right thing to do when the consequences may be completely minimal, like completely a non-issue, Yep. right? So we went through the week. There was 
I can't remember if it was three or four days, you know, no jokes, nothing inappropriate for the whole week. Um, I have since moved on roll, so I won't be participating in that group anymore, but I at least feel like I did what I could to address the issue. Mm. Bravo. (laughs) I just believe that that is like, everybody's welcome for a classic example of what to do <laughs> um, in that kind of situation. Case study one. Oh, my gosh. Maybe later. Because we're doing, like, this abbreviated version, right? But how much processing that took for you, how much courage that took, how much, how many conversations you had, wow. how many hours of conversation where you're the focal point going through those again and again and again. And now that you're, we're come back to kind of the lessons learned and best practices, you and your company took from that. Mm-hmm. But as we're just sitting here now and you went through that, would you do anything differently? Um, Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? I don't think so. I mean, I, for me, for me, the primary outcome, and I did spend a lot, the other, I guess, point for people, Sherry, you asked, you know, if someone's in that situation and they're trying to reflect on what to do, yeah, yeah. I really spend a lot of time thinking about what do I want out of, the, you know, what's mm-hmm. good look like mm-hmm. from an outcome and I wanted to do what I could to stop it, and I wanted people to learn from it. And I feel like I accomplished both of those things because yeah. we raised it. We, you know, it was known, and then at least to my knowledge, it hasn't happened again. Mm-hmm. And then we shared the story quite broadly um, so that a lot of other people could learn um likely really unlikely that they'll be in that specific situation, but at least be able to think about what they would do if they were in a situation where there was a group, someone else being minimized yes. or something inappropriate happening. Mm-hmm. And can we offer specifics around what that learning looked like? Yeah. Because I, I, I am still blown away by it. It's one of the best examples of taking— It's one of the best examples I know of it taking a really incredibly horrible situation and turning it into a teachable moment for hundreds of leaders. Yeah. So can you kind of, can you, if, as much as you can, yeah. I would love for you to share it so other people can learn from it because it's, ama- it's amazing what you created from this. Mm. Yeah. So for the first time, I've got tears in my eyes because there, that was such mm. an emotional day. Um, so my coworker that was with me that at the event, who is amazing and would have been here tonight to tell the story, um, we felt really strongly about making this a learning moment. And so we approached the leadership team and said, instead of our annual, um, I'll use air quotes, ethics training Mm -hmm. that we all have to do that's um, historically might have been more bland, you know, Mm computer-based or or Mm -hmm. even discussion-based. And and can I just, can I offer this distinction that the leadership team in this case is the C-level team? This is not like a leadership of a program. Like (laughs) this is like a huge entity. Yes. These are the decision makers. I just want people to, because it wasn't like you, I mean, you went to the top of the organization and said, this needs to be a teachable moment. Right. That's incredible to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and they were part of the solution as well, right? I mean, they were were very much a part of what do we do and how do we address this? Because it was um, so many of our customers, because it was um, such a big issue. You know, they were all part of of the issue when it happened. Mm -hmm. So we prepared, it was probably about an hour session with the top leaders um, of our company. And I can still visualize it. We were all in a circle shape. 
And we just told the story almost like we did here today. And I cried and I was very, very open about that doubt um, that it gave and put in me because I wanted them to understand not only how to support someone in their team um, or themselves if they're in that situation, but I, I wanted to understand them to understand the power of their words right. because I don't, in my heart of hearts, I don't think that the people that were saying those jokes think negatively about Megan Rader. I don't think that they think even perhaps as negative as it came off about women, mm-hmm. but the way that that made me feel was months of work yes. and energy that they uh, probably haven't thought about since, right? right? And mm-hmm. so I wanted people to understand the power of their words. Right. Intention versus behavior. Right. Wow. Exactly. That's wow. such, that to me is such a huge point. Again, when people are like, well, why didn't you can just laugh that stuff off? It's a joke. It's not. It's a systematic way of minimizing an entire gender mm. and making someone who's even as successful and as confident as you are take a step back and doubt their place yep. in the company, in the world. <clears throat> That's what that stuff does. And, and to your point, I'm, I, I would agree with you. I highly doubt that was anyone's intention. Yep. Didn't make it any less harmful. Right. So amazing. Great point. So now you're, how much time has passed since that incident happened? It'll be two years this summer. So this move from powerlessness to power to, and then even turning into a moment to teach power to leadership to other Mm -hmm. people. How has it, how has it impacted you even now as you move through your own, because your leadership role is so, so big now you impact a lot of people. How has it impacted you? Uh, so I have definitely shared the story with my current team um, mm. so that they understand how serious I am about a lot of things. One, about doing the right thing, mm-hmm. um, about diversity and inclusion, um, about how I will be there to support them because of how much I felt supported and mm-hmm. that I want them to be able to feel comfortable raising whatever it is that's on their mind. Mm-hmm. And then it's also given me a counter voice to that doubt that always can creep in in situations where you question yourself oh, and you tell yeah. yourself stories because yeah. I can use that as an example to say, well, hey, self, remember <laughs> all those things you told yourself about those the how bad it could be. Well, none of that happened. Mm. And in fact, it turned into a really positive situation. So it's just one more reflection point that you can use to turn off the negative talk. Fantastic. (laughs) That is a great point. Wow. And so for people listening, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want them to know? Um, Wow. I mean, I feel like one thing I should I should have said at the beginning um, when you talked about your, you know, what does power mean to me? And when I was thinking about choice, my dad always told us he didn't care what we did as mm-hmm. long as we didn't have to depend on anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, that was really like the first thing that I can remember about wanting Someone, it was him wanting choice for me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he didn't want me to have to just go through my life right. in a way that was forced by whatever someone else was going to choose for me. And 
so I think, you know, we all get situations where we can test that. And so mm. that's just, that was Choice. definitely a big impression that has made a, an impact on me. Yeah, that's powerful. How about for you, Allison? What's sticking with you? Like a million things. <laughs> I know. It's so much. Isn't it incredible? It's uh-huh. so much. So many layers. Yeah. Well, you know, I you alluded to the fact that um, Matt was supposed to try was going to try to come yeah. to be here with you as well and couldn't make it. So, I would sort of love to hear some of that part of the story and his whether it's you know like what you and he talked about what kind of what support looked like from him oh, and knowing right. that he was your you were his superior yeah. he he was you were his direct report. He was your direct report. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He reported to you and how that f- framed out and w- what that was like. Yeah, that's a great point. So he, you know, when we talked about it that next day and then many, many times afterwards, he had a lot of questions for himself about, you know, should he have done anything differently? And, mm. um, you know, he said, so my back was to him and he, he said he kept looking over to me and, and trying to see how I was doing. And, um, one of the things that he observed is during the microphone passing and the joke about rape, the the person that gave the joke was looking right at me. And so mm. my observation of what felt like eyes on me watching my reaction wow. was it was really interesting to have that validated by him wow. saying that, yeah, he saw them, which almost tells me that they knew it was wrong. But they felt that mm. peer pressure in that situation to... You know, keep up with the Joneses. And Interesting. I, <laughs> I'm just so flabbergasted by the fact that I just like to make a public service announcement. Joke and rape do not belong in the no. same sentence, FYI. Mm. Like that to me, that a room full of adults even planned that. Mm. That just, part wasn't planned. But it, that, oh, well, it was, so the microphone that pass was the microphone wasn't passing. a scripted yes, part. Yes, this was at the end Good where point. it was okay. more the— That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. But, not, I will tell but, you, not, but not much. <laughs> there was still yeah. one person in the room who thought it would be okay to tell 150 business professionals, not even friends and family. Or right. just humankind. Right. Yes. A rape joke. I mean, yeah. that, kind, that level of self-awareness or lack of self-awareness is just startling. Yeah. Startling to me. It really is. It's awful. And then for you to have to be the target where they're like, oh, God, everyone's going to look at Megan and see yep. what Megan does. Is she going to run mm. screaming from the room? Is she going to? Yeah. So this is, I mean, first of all, thank you for unpacking this again. again. Because I think it, you know, once again, you're giving us all an opportunity <laughs> to learn. And But it's one piece of just the magnificent leadership practice and skill that you have. Mm. So... Before we close, I just want to hear from you. What are what are other pivot points? So there, we can learn from these, really, right. you know, kind of horrific uh, um, experiences, which Let you clearly yeah. teach others. <laughs> exactly. Lesson here, which you have done horror one hundred and one. Learn from me. Uh, but what are the other things? Because you you also, I mean, first of all, you were a great leader before and after this. I mean, you would have been, and you were during it. So, mm-hmm. what are the things that have been powerful for you, for you to have a leadership style that is about power to that is a power over? Why are the things that have been important to you? So, uh, rightly or wrongly, I think, um, you know, I haven't had a lot of, of leadership training. And so, therefore, I've just gone with my gut. And mm. my gut um, is to just be my true self. And so, I do feel like I've always brought a level of authenticity because mm. that's just 
me. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that has served me well and has uh, let me relate to people in a way because I, uh, you know, in a lot of cases don't know what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. I'm the first to admit when I don't know something and have definitely found the power in questions and, and trying to, to learn. That's, mm-hmm. I love learning. I'm definitely a learner. And that has been really helpful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Anything you want to add before we close, Allison? I was gonna. Uh, I was going to ask something about um, a comment that you made. Oh, I know what I was going to say was that you were when you were talking earlier about as you started working with your new team that this was a story that you told yeah. them. So when you were talking about your leadership style, it was like what an incredible moment of vulnerability mm. to say. So here's an experience I had. Here's how I learned from it. And this is something that you really is really actually probably key to knowing me as a leader and a person and what you can expect from me. But what a thing for your team to see that level of vulnerability that early in your relationship. I think with I texted Sherry like, oh, I, it's like week two and I just cried in front of my team already. <laughs> and I was like, carry on, warrior. I'm all in. <laughs> all right. Nicely done. Right. I mean, they were probably like, wow, okay, this is where we're going. Right. Let's do this. Yeah. You know, that's how I would have thought. I felt like, safety. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sweet. Hey, that's good. so, that, I would have thought, what, how brave that is for my brand new boss to sit here and have mm. this discussion and be open and emotional. Like, you don't know how they were going to react either and you know yeah, oh, that's so powerful. just in awe of that I think that's such a great leadership skill too mm-hmm. yeah. and I love hearing that from both of you because <laughs> three years ago <laughs> we had a little problem with yeah. that word that's not true you have a problem with it you just hadn't yet embraced it and <laughs> hugged it to the ground um, <laughs> no, not just hugged it to the ground not intentionally <laughs> Um, so what I hope for listeners is that uh, if you're a leader in those situations, to your point, Megan, that you really start to build awareness around the power of your words and that a joke to you isn't a joke to everybody and that you just pay attention to the impact, how that's landing. Yeah. And don't just trust your intent. If you're not sure how you're showing up, get some feedback on it. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are in positions like you were, I just hope that they really give themselves the safety they need to process it. And that they don't beat themselves up about staying or going or anything in the moment. Like, to let that just be what it is. Mm -hmm. And to be able to move through that with the amount of grace and strength you did. I mean, I still, I'm just, I'm in awe of it. In complete awe. So, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. 